Before we turn to um, look at another passage of Scripture, and I trust you enjoyed that reading from Psalm 103. Whenever I read Psalm 103, it takes me back to the days when I first started going to church. And um, in those days, there was almost always a metrical psalm during public worship. And uh, I can remember very well singing this one. Bless, O my soul, the Lord thy God, and all that is within me, and so on. Uh, So I've never, ever forgotten that. Now, one thing that um, I think is very important as Christian people living in Australia today is to remember, always to remember, that the work of the gospel and the spread of God's kingdom uh, is not just us here. Uh, We can tend to think it's just us and, oh, it's going good at present, or, no, it's not going so good at present. We forget that the kingdom of God in the last 2,000 years has spread from a tiny place in Palestine, spread all the way. It's here in Australia, would you believe, and it has spread to many, many parts of the world. And it spreads also to places, to areas that we feel are probably antagonistic towards the gospel. And I'm thinking particularly of the country of Italy. And we tend to think, well, Italy, that's tough. Uh, It's a Roman Catholic country. It's got uh, the Vatican in it. It's got the Pope living there. Um, Nobody would be interested in the gospel of grace the way we are in Italy. That's not true. That's not true. And I'd just like to read you some excerpts from a story about a man called Manuel. And he says, Hi, I'm Manuel and my main responsibility is planting a church here in the city of Ravenna in Italy. I am the pastor of the new church, and he gives the Italian name of it, which I can't say. My wife, Jania, J-A-N-I-A, and I have two daughters, Rebecca, seven years, and Rachel, three years. The Lord saved me during my, listen to this, my first vacation with Jania in Brazil. Jania is Brazilian, and at the end of our holidays, she invited me to attend an evangelical service. At that time, I wasn't able to speak or understand a word of Portuguese. But God granted me the ability to understand everything during the service, and then the Lord spoke to me through the preaching of the word and gave me a new heart. Isn't that incredible? Since that time, Jesus put a great passion for the Bible in my heart. Every day I studied the scriptures with eagerness, but a question troubled my soul. Am I sure of my salvation? Do I have certainty about my eternal life? God used this anxiety to lead me to study Reformed theology and over the years to lead me to pastoral ministry. And then he goes on to talk a bit more about it. Um, We have begun together on the Lord's Day and in homes for Bible studies to have Sunday school and for prayer meetings. The Lord is so faithful and good to us. Uh, And it goes on a little bit further. But I just thought you would be greatly encouraged by that, that God in his amazing wisdom and his providence uh, used an Italian man who got keen on a Brazilian young lady. They went to Brazil. There he was converted. They have returned to Italy 
and now he's become a pastor and is set, setting a church plant in Ravenna in Italy. The Lord's ways are amazing and beyond finding out. Let's turn now for our next Bible reading to, to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33. Oh, and I'm sorry, but my reading will be a little bit different to yours because I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So, chapter 6 in Matthew, starting at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And may God indeed bless to us this reading from his holy word. Amen. Let's come before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bless you and praise you for your holy word. We bless you and praise you, Lord, that it is infallible, it is inerrant. It will not mislead us. It will guide us into the truth. And yet, Father, we know that there are those who have twisted it and misused it in the past. So we pray, Father, that you would be with us by your Holy Spirit, that great and powerful Holy Spirit, that you would keep us, Lord, from error, keep us from misusing your Holy Word. Help us, Lord, to study its plain meaning and help us, Father, by this to offer up to you worship that is in holiness and righteousness. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm sure you would have noticed that the title of my message this morning is Hardwood, Steel or Pine. So I need to ask you, how would you assess yourself? Hardwood, steel or pine? What sort of a person are you? Maybe for some of us I should have added marshmallow. Because, you know, there are some who are like a marshmallow, all squishy inside. But no, I thought, that's enough. Hardwood, steel or pine. But we'll come back to that. First of all, I want to look at Psalm 103. I don't want to look at the whole of it. I just want to look at some of the elements that it is teaching us. Psalm 103, as is perfectly obvious, is reminding us of the great blessings that Almighty God has bestowed upon us. It starts off, 
bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, all the good things that God has done for us. And I'm sure if I was to ask you now, tell me some of the benefits that God has blessed you with in this past week, you'd be able to give me a long list. I certainly hope so anyway. Then he says, he forgives all your iniquity. We are deeply aware, as Chris prayed earlier in the service this morning, that we are people who are full of iniquity. We're sinful people. And it says there, God forgives all our iniquity. He heals our diseases. When we prayed for Callum and Anna and Zara and other people to be healed, we pray with a sense of hopefulness that God will hear that prayer and he will answer it. God redeems our life. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, a steadfast love, a love that does not fluctuate. Our love, even the best of us, our love fluctuates. We do not love our wife quite as much today as we did yesterday because today we've got a lot of things on our minds and we're, we're thinking about our, the things we're doing. But tomorrow we might love even more. You see, it fluctuates. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then it goes on. Let's pick some more. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Isn't that a relief? God is slow to anger. And abounding, not just a little tiddly bit, but abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Then in verse 11, here's some glorious verses. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And the east is a long way from the west. That's how far God removes our transgressions. So, and we could go on, we could look at more in this psalm, but I think that's enough for now. We see how the writer of this psalm describes all the blessings that God pours out on his people. And this is a psalm that is wonderful for us because it <coughs> describes also all the blessings that God pours out upon us. But there is a puzzle, isn't there? There's a puzzle. Why should God do that? After all, we know perfectly well we are sinners. The Bible tells us that in our own hearts we know it's true. We know that we do not think the way we ought to think. We know that our minds wander. We know that our minds wander into immoral things and unethical things that they shouldn't wander into. We know that. We are sinners. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible also says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's only two verses in the Bible. There are many others that talk about our sinful nature. So this is a puzzle. Why should God pour out such benefits upon us? Don't you sometimes wonder at this? Unless, of course, you're like that Pharisee who was in the temple and he was down the front and he stood up and he looked up to heaven 
And he said, Lord, I thank you that I am not like this man. And right at the back was a man who wouldn't even lift up his head because he knew he was a sinner. And the Pharisee said, I thank you that I'm not like him back there. Self-righteousness, what a wicked thing it is. Don't you sometimes wonder why God pours out his benefits upon us? I'm not at all what I ought to be. You are not all that you ought to be. I do not love as I ought. I get angry at times. I get angry without good reason. I get jealous. I get envious. I see someone driving a Tesla as I did this morning and I think, wow, where did they get the money for that? I've got a Kia. There's nothing wrong with a Kia. But it's not exactly the flashiest car in the world. So it's easy for us to get envious, isn't it? I get resentful at people and the things that they're able to do. Why should God be so good to us, to me? There is reason for that blessing. And here is the answer. And it comes to us in verse 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God knows us. He knows what we are like. And he is merciful beyond our understanding. So first of all in this verse it says he knows our frame. The frame of course for many, many things is so important. If you're looking for a house, the frame is very important. Particularly if it's an older house. Does it have an old hardwood frame? When my father was a builder, and that's a long time ago, all houses in Queensland were built with hardwood frames. And if it has a hardwood frame, then it should last for a long, long time. Does it have a steel frame? The area where we live, there are lots and lots of old houses that are being pulled down or removed and new houses are going up, and quite a few of them have a steel frame. Then you shouldn't have any problems with termites, and it should last also for a long, long time. Does it have a pine frame? A lot of new houses have a pine frame. Well, just make sure that it's been chemically treated to resist termites. But, of course, it does have the advantage that a pine frame, softer timber, much quicker to put up, and the building is much faster. But often, of course, you can't tell what the frame is, so you just have to trust to the reliability of the builder or the agent who is managing the sale of the house. We're human beings. We don't know everything. We can't know everything. But this verse tells us God knows our frame. He knows our physical frame. Do you have a strong skeleton? Or are you troubled with osteoarthritis? God knows. He knows what you're capable of, physically speaking. Do you have a long-lived constitution? We once knew a man who would walk from Banyo all the way into the city to do his business transactions, then he would walk all the way back. Crazy, isn't it? Hey, he's a Dutchman. What could you expect? That's what he did. And he was in his 80s. 
not everybody has that sort of a constitution. Some of us are plagued with illness. God knows your frame, your physical frame. And God knows that there may very well be things that you simply cannot do. And he doesn't expect you to do them. But he knows also our mental and our spiritual frame. Are you the sort of person that gets nervous easily? And there are people like that. Do you get anxious easily? Or can you handle any problem with great aplomb and it doesn't trouble you? God knows your frame. He knows what your mental capacity is like. God knows it. Do you get discouraged at your lack of spiritual wisdom? And I guess all of us should feel that from time to time. God knows it. Do you get discouraged at the wrong decisions that you have made and still make? And you think, ah, I'm still doing it. And look, I'm 50, 60, 70 years old, still doing it. Do you get discouraged because you're not where you wanted to be today because you listened to bad advice years ago when you knew you should have got a second opinion on this matter? And you think, this is just something I've got to put up with all by myself. Well, this verse says, God knows your frame. He knows what you're like. He knows what you've been through. He knows your heart. Don't ever think that God doesn't know what's going on in your life. He knows our frame. He knows your strength. And he is perfectly well aware of your weaknesses. But then the verse goes on to say he remembers that we are dust. Now that's probably something we don't particularly like to be reminded of, but it's true. God created us from the dust of the earth. We are not a super race. We are utterly dependent on God for life, for health, for wisdom, for salvation, for all his benefits. We really are dust. And at a funeral, as I'm sure you all are aware, the priest or the minister or the pastor, whoever it is, will say, dust to dust, earth to earth, ashes to ashes. Because that's what we are. We come from the dust and we return. We are weak people. We are frail. And God knows that we are plain, fragile human beings he knows that you are not Superman. He knows that you are not a guardian of the galaxy. He knows you are not one of the Amazon women. God knows these things. You are dust. The strongest person amongst us, the healthiest, the most energetic, the most intelligent, is still dust in the sight of God. We are subject to the weaknesses of human nature. Some people are subject to it sooner than others and some worse than others but do you think you are alone do you think that no one knows well perhaps some people that Elizabeth and I have encountered over the years are very very private people and they can be going through a time of terrible problems and you never know 
So sometimes we, we simply don't know what people are going through. But there is one who always knows and who knows all about you. And this is not something that he knows from afar as though he is way up there and is aloof and he's looking down and saying, oh, Lindsay Timms, yeah, I can see he's got a few problems. Oh, poor fellow. Oh, well, he'll get over it. Oh, no, no, no. That's not the case at all. God is not looking on us from afar and aloof and he is unfeeling. God is with you. This is what the whole of Psalm 103 is about. God is with you and he supports you. You may not know it at the time, but he does. I'm sure you all know of that poem, well, I think it's a poem, sort of a poem, called Footprints. It's been around for a couple of decades now and it's become famous worldwide. In fact, I was given a copy of it in a little plaque uh, by some friends of ours who are Muslim people. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, that to her, this poem, Footprints, uh, means something. Um, and the poem, Footprints, is interesting because in it the writer complains to God and says, look, there are times as I was walking through life, walking along the beach, that there was only one set of footprints. You left me. I was alone by myself. Why did you do that? And God says to her, my precious, beloved person, the times when there was only one footprint, they were the times I was carrying you. And that's a good point, isn't it? A true point. So what conclusions can we draw from all that we've looked at this morning? And the conclusions, I think, are quite straightforward. The first one is, never ever think that the Lord is unfeeling of your hardship. Yes, he knows your frame. He knows and he understands what you are going through. And whether it's something at the end of life when you're having to move into uh, a retirement village or a nursing home, or whether it's at the other end of life <coughs> where you're sitting for NAPLAN tests and you're all stressed about it, the Lord knows and he understands what you're going through. There's a wonderful comment in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, that we really need to have engraved upon our hearts. And the writer says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then comes this encouragement. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wonderful verse, wonderful truth. So, are you grieving? Do well-meaning friends tell you, look, enough time has elapsed. You need to snap out of it now. Get on with life. But not God. He knows your frame. Psalm 91 verse 4 says, he will cover you with his pinions, which is an unusual word, with his wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. So that's the first thing. Never ever think that God does not understand what we're going through. And the second thing 
Never ever think that God is a taskmaster who demands Herculean efforts in all areas of life and is critical of anything less. Sometimes we treat others like that. Sometimes people in the church will look upon others and say, look, you're not up to scratch. You're not pulling your weight. You're not pulling your weight like I am. And that's wrong. That is so wrong. God is not a taskmaster. God remembers that we are dust. He knows our weaknesses. A person once said, in, in my hearing, that what the church urgently needs today is leaders who are men of steel. And the person she was talking to was very wise and said, yes, but who of us are men of steel? We are all of the earth. We are all of dust. All of us are sinners. Do you think that God doesn't know this? This is why the description of Jesus Christ, the Lord's chosen servant, is not couched in terms of aggression and domination. And this is why some people to this very day find it so difficult to grapple with Jesus because they think, if he's really God, why doesn't he smash a few things? But that's not the sort of God that he is. Remember the words of Isaiah? Behold my servant. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice. In other words, he's not going to shout and try and drown everybody out, any sort of opposition to, to him, or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Now, we don't have much use for candles these days, but at birthday parties we have them. And, you know, you've got to hold your hand around the candles when you're lighting them because any puff of wind is going to blow it out and it's gone. This verse is saying, a faintly burning wick he will not quench. This is God. The God who knows our hearts, who knows us, who knows our weaknesses. He knows that we are dust. So he treats the weakest person amongst us with care and kindness. So, my friends, serve the Lord as you are able, relying upon his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't get distraught because you are not superhuman. None of us are superhuman. And always remember this teaching. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And may God bless to us our study this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for Psalm 103. We thank you and bless you for this verse in particular. You remember our frame. You know that we are dust. And we take great comfort from this, Lord. And Lord, we do not take comfort from this in order to justify our laziness, but we take comfort from it because we are not as wise, as intelligent, as smart, as strong, as healthy as we would like to be. And you know this. So we thank you and praise you, Father, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.